Hello, I'm Bernard Nomberg with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Each week on the Nomberg Law Live podcast, we have interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. My guests this week are Joy and Cole Portis from Montgomery, Alabama. They have such a unique family story that you're really going to want to listen to this episode. They have blended their families, they have adopted, they have fostered, and they have such a loving, large family. And they, Cole and Joy, just tell us how they make it all work. It's a beautiful story. It's a loving and touching story to family and love and all that is good in the world, in my opinion. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode of Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. Good morning. It's Bernard Nomberg with another weekly episode of Nomberg Law Live as we do each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. And I am so, so happy to have my friends and well as one of my colleagues in the profession with me today, Joy and Cole Portis. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you. It is another Tuesday, which seems it doesn't seem like it's every seven days. It seems like Tuesday comes up about every third day, but maybe that's because I look forward to these conversations. <laughs> so thank you guys for making some time today. Guys, we are talking with Joy and Cole today because they have really, they may not think it, but the outside world who sees this certainly sees this. It's, it's, it, they have a unique and dynamic family structure. And I just think it's awesome. I, I love what they have done, what they stand for, and how they just have promoted so many awesome things. But I'm not going to spill the beans. I'd like Joy and Cole to kind of tell a little bit of their story before we, we really dive into some stuff. So if you don't mind, guys, either of you, just tell us how, how you guys, I guess, came to, to putting together this awesome family that you have. Well, it certainly was never our plan. Um, when Cole and I were going through our premarital workbook and things, we discussed adoption at that time because we just weren't sure if, um, you know, we were capable of having biological children. Um, Cole's first wife passed away of a brain aneurysm after childbirth. And so when we got married, I was able to adopt Sarah Catherine and had a five-year-old. Um, so I never had that fear of could I love a child that wasn't biologically mine because I loved her from the beginning but we um, were able to have two children biologically really quickly 19 months apart and had three children and thought we were done because I came from a family with one sister nine years younger than me Cole was the baby of three um, so a large family was nowhere in our plan but as you know the just the Lord, when John Cole was two, put on Cole, who had said we were done having children, he started talking about having another child. And I'm like, wait a minute, where did this come from? We haven't talked about this, prayed about it. And 
So we decided to pray about it for a month. And during that month, adoption was everywhere before us. We'd go out to dinner. We'd sit right next to a family with an adopted child from China. I, um, uh, you know, we just, it was everywhere. And then the Joy, final. Joy, what time period is this now you're in? This was 2000 and the end of 2004. Um, so John Cole was two. We had two, three, and probably eight-year-olds. And um, I was we were preparing for an event we were having at the house. I don't really watch much TV, but I was rolling silverware, watching a documentary by Lisa Ling on Oprah about the dying rooms in China. And basically, they had this quota of children that they could have in their orphanage. And beyond that, they just put them in these rooms to die. And this group had gone in with hidden cameras. And I mean, literally, they just didn't bring them food, drink, clothing. They were in soiled diapers. It was the skeletal of a child making this horrific sound that like I had to play mind games to get out of my head to get through the night. And could not talk about it. I was just crying, but I was. Well, you could talk about it. She called me while <laughs> I was at work, just just lost it. She had completely lost it. And I said, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay. Just figure out exactly what we need to do. And uh, then let's, let's go do it. It's yeah, those, it's, it was one of those pivotal moments. One of the yeah, moments so that you, you guys will never forget. So actually deciding we were adopting was the easy part. Then it was kind of overwhelmed with, we knew it was China. We knew we were feeling called to special needs. Um, we did not know which agency, you know, it just then becomes, it's overwhelming. And at that point, I didn't know anybody adopting. There weren't these books out that we have now. There weren't these, um, you know, so much, so many resources that are out there now. And, um, but I developed this community back then there were Yahoo groups. Um, and so I developed an online support community and blogs and just got us through it. And it was just a really spiritual journey of during that time. Um, cause we had our, we were matched with him very early. We weren't even done with our dossier. They sent us, um, they said they got in this group of referrals. They were going to send us some to look at. And then I'm like, how do we choose? Well, they ended up just sending us one. It was a little boy. He was three. Um, and it said a single ventricle possible. He had a repaired cleft um, palate and a cleft lip. And we just prayed about it. We tried to get medical um, confirmation of his heart condition because that scared us. We've never dealt with many medical conditions. My background is in speech therapy, so the cleft I felt comfortable with, but ultimately no one could really give us an answer on his heart condition, but um, we ultimately prayed about it and said, you know, during all of our parenting and our meeting with our social workers, our, we believe in parenting our children's heart. Um, you gotta address the initial behaviors, of course, but ultimately reaching their heart to to make them understand their sinfulness or nature and what needs to be changed, being the root of that. And so we were like, well, the Lord's given us a child who needs um, attention on his heart in multiple ways. So we sent in our uh, acceptance and the next day in the mailbox, we got this little pamphlet from a, um, some Christian organization that sells like key rings and all kind of stuff. And it was upside down and everything on the back page was a scripture from, um, first Samuel said, um, 
you know, man looks out the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it was just like such confirmation that, okay, you're scared to death, but you're on the right path, you know? Um, and just that journey for me was um, just so spiritually um, gripping and just brought so much spiritual growth because it just was so reflective, that whole process of what my adoption in Christ was with this child who um, didn't know he needed us, probably didn't want us pursuing him. He probably thought he was okay and content and um, we were working so hard to bring him home and we loved him and he knew nothing about us and all the work we were doing and pursuing him and just you know, just was so humbling to think about how Christ did that for me. And um, yeah, and then after being there and bringing him home and it was just, you know, our the journey, part- the journey, the journey started. <laughs> by, the, by the way, about two weeks ago, we dropped that that boy who's become a young man off at college. Um, so that's that's exciting. Been through a lot of a lot of health issues with him, but he's doing he's doing fantastic as well as his heart allows and, but he, but he's doing, um, he's doing mentally and spiritually, he's doing extremely well. I, I saw some fantastic pictures that, that you posted uh, joy of, of dropping him off at school and the, the look on his face just spoke volumes. And uh, I, we certainly wish him well, but did that, did that leap of faith, if you will, that trip, that spiritual as well as physical journey uh, and then what happened after when he came to Montgomery, did that create some confidence for me, for you guys that, or maybe the confidence isn't the right word, but it, it, it started the ball rolling, so to speak. So it's, we're, we're, we're not even, we're, we're a portion of the way on your journey. Yeah. I mean, I think it really just turned more in terms of family, our own family planning more to a mission. Uh, it became it became important for us really within the community uh, within the also within the faith community just to to talk about adoption and so so we really started kind of that mission and you, you started to to be engaged with like-minded people who also shared those same experiences well and it just also you know for like we said, we talked about it in our premarital counseling as, as an option if we weren't capable of having children, which that's really just how I had at that point considered adoption as, you know, um, and then we were able to have children, but the Lord just kind of removed, I had easy pregnancies. I mean, I had very good pregnancies, but the Lord, he removed the desire for me to birth children and gave me a desire for to adopt, you know, and um, so it just opened my eyes to sharing, this isn't just a backup plan. This, have you prayed about it as a believer? Because spiritually, the Lord took me on such a journey um, with reflecting on my adoption that I'm like, why? You know, I've been in church all of my life and every year we have a pro-life sermon usually, but we've never taken it to how to live that out as believers beyond not aborting and um, honoring this life of this unborn child. But, you know, there were babies being born all the time that for whatever reasons 
needed a family and, you know, just challenging myself and other believers to just pray about it. Cause it's not something all Christians, just cause you're a Christian that you should go out and adopt. But I do think it is something all believers should pray about and consider. And, um, especially as we got into foster care, um, that aspect as well, because it's, you know, it is his heart. He is, uh, the father to the fatherless and calls us to be a voice for the least of these and the voiceless. And, you know, we have a neat opportunity to be that for them. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, about fostering over the last many years now. Uh, once Heart Gallery Alabama was created back in 2005, I believe, and has spread the awareness of the need for fostering and, and ultimately, hopefully, adopting through our state, they have become a very big advocate and, and very, I guess, people are, are, for the last, what, almost 17, 18, almost 17 years or so, uh, are becoming very well known. And I know that the two of y'all have been very involved with Heart Gallery Alabama, and I want to applaud you and thank you for all that you've done for the organization. Uh, for so many years, but share a little bit about your your experiences with fostering, uh, how Heart Gallery may have, have impacted that, and the and why it's so important that fostering of, of children is just it's not as well known at least to me as adopting uh, is. Or, or just share a little bit about your experiences, if you will. So our our first um, our first foster child was near my birthday is that right um and I was, so I called up Joy wondering what we're going to do for my birthday and she said I don't know what you're doing but I'm about to go pick up a baby to to um I was already on my way I had not even told him yeah I didn't even know <laughs> I had no idea we had gone through the process and I think we had actually just been approved we are we they had been at our home and licensed us that morning yeah we'd just been approved that day and before I talk about Heart Gallery, which is, you know, Joy and I are blessed to be able to financially support them and as, you know, and pray for them and, and to be engaged with them and support them. Um, you know, I think, I think even for me, I think doing foster care uh, seemed really, really difficult uh, outside looking in before we, before we did it. Adoption's one thing, you're getting a child in, you're able to, to be with that child, you're able to nurture that child, stay with that child, um, teach his or her heart. And offer reassurance of permanency. Yeah, and permanent forever. And, but, but fostering, right, was this idea of, of temporary custody. Well, we don't even, I guess the HR has custody, temporary placement of a child in our home. Um, and here's, you know, the reality, I think it, for me, because one, one of my good uh, co legal colleagues was the, one of the first people I knew to, to foster a child, a guy named uh, Roger Pierce, a lawyer in Auburn, Alabama. And when he told me, and this is before we were engaged in it, when he told me that he was fostering a, a, a young girl, I was like, how do you do that? That doesn't that's got to be extremely hard. He was one of my heroes because to be able to do that. Um, but, but 
but but I think at the end of the day, and I think Joy will agree with me, these these are children uh, for the most part who who are temporarily or maybe even permanently without a mom and a dad who come from very who, who potentially come from very difficult circumstances and who have very few people um, looking out for them and for caring for them. And so whether, you know, we, we've kept people for, we've kept children for a day, we've kept children for years, um, but at the end of the day, you have an impact uh, and an impact to, to on this particular child for whatever period you have. And, and that is, that's not happenstance. And so we're, so it's been to actually end up being a, a good process for the most part. Yeah. But with, some Heart, challenges. You know, with Heart Gallery, I came across them long before we were even licensed to do foster care. And I was, had my adoption blog and was just kind of advocating, um, sharing our journeys, but then also just advocating for children. Cause it's, you know, um, it's so easy to, not think about um, when it's not a part of your daily life, but once you see their face or you hear their story and um, it's not as easy to forget. Um, and so every week I would share one of the children that Heart Gallery had advocated for. I'd ask Michelle if it would be okay for me to link them. I put them on my blog. So I did that and you know, we fell in love with a couple of kids along the way, but we weren't licensed. But, you know, when you just hear their story and she's asking, you know, what they want in a family and they just want a, a mom or a dad or just one person to care for them and offer them love. And they want to be, care you know, just, I mean, it's the basics. It's not extravagant things. They want a bed. They want food. They want to be treated kindly I mean nothing and it's just like you know I grew up in a I was just sheltered I guess growing up and just it was not aware um that this was even a thing that there were children that didn't have one person that could offer them a safe and loving environment and so that just really just became my heart and um we went to the state trying to get training in the churches. Um, after I went to a conference, it was just really Texas was doing it. They had a state liaison. That, that was her role was to be the go between, between the churches and the foster care. And I was like, that's, we need that. And then for some reason, Alabama, had, they were scared to have any kind of overlap of those two things. And we kept going because I'm like, this is who we need fostering because otherwise, why would you do this? If you do not see it as the ministry and we, we know the only one who can bring them healing and comfort for all the trauma that they've been through. And um, so we were able to get them into some trainings in the churches and that's where we were able to get trained. And at that point, we just thought we were going to go through it and not foster. But um, again, we, the first day we were licensed, we were placed with Trey, which is now our son. After two years, he's, his rights were terminated and we adopted him. And on September 7th, that will be 11 years that we've been fostering. So, wow. Wow. yeah. And yesterday we actually got notice from the court that our adoption was finalized for our youngest, who is two, that we've been fostering for about a year and a half. So. 
we are now 11 parents to 11 and then we have five other foster children at home wow well it's so many so many days to so many dates to celebrate so many anniversaries <laughs> to, keep, to keep track of guys i'm talking with joy and Cole Portis out of Montgomery, Alabama, and they're taking us through their wonderful family journey. And I could talk with you guys for, for hours, but for the sake of today's conversation and some brevity, and I don't want to overlook any of your children, which countries are represented in the house uh, at this time? How many countries? Let's see, you're gonna, you may have to help me. We have three sons from China. <laughs> two daughters from Ethiopia. Eli is out of Nashville. And then... That's uh, a home country sometimes, some people. Yes. <laughs> and then two from foster care two. in Montgomery. Yeah. Well, just, just phenomenal. Now, I have to ask from a logistics standpoint, with so many children uh, in your family, from a day-to-day -day standpoint with children now being off in college and doing their thing, how do you communicate each day or however often that you can with everybody? Do you have a group family text or a FaceTime? What do you guys do to, to keep everybody in touch with each other? Well, I think, I think for, for Joy and me, I think we try to be very intentional about having quality time with with each of them. We do have a, for the older kids, we do have a group text that's, that's very fun and uh, everybody gives each other, everybody gives each other a hard time. Uh, and I think they probably are doing it right now as we speak. <laughs> In this 30 minute window, I bet you're going to miss a few dozen texts. <laughs> you're going to have we, to catch up. We probably will. But, um, you know, I, I think is especially as we have, as the, kids have gotten older because we have you know we have one child that's our oldest is married and uh, then we have five children in college now and so and we had three three senior boys this year and it was really important for us to make sure in this in this last year of their high school careers when they were with us for us to to spend some really good quality time with them and we were able to do that um and you know the only downside with them leaving is we we don't have any drivers at the house anymore other than all our drivers are gone. So we got Joy who has who has a tag on the front of her van that says Mom's Taxi. Uh, she literally just gets in her car and she goes from one place to the next. And then I see her at night and and uh, we help get kids ready for bed, which is a process in and of itself. I, I got to ask Joy, do you have the same? Do you fill up at the same service station? each, every couple of days? Do they know you now? <laughs> oh, we're, we fill up all over the place. Uh -huh. We're on the road a lot. That's awesome. Guys, I'm talking with- Appointments in Birmingham and therapies and, mm -hmm. you know, going to make, visit college kids. And yes, we go through a lot of gaps. You, you, guys, you guys do, but you're sharing the love with so many and it's just such an awesome endeavor and family that you've created. Guys, I'm talking with Joy and Cole Portis, and we've got just a couple more minutes. And I wanna ask you guys, you're now more than 15 years into this part of your, your family dynamics. What if I'm a new family or a family that just wants to start on this journey? 
where do you guys, because it could be like drinking from a fire hose of, of now there's so much information from a social media standpoint and, and that's out there that wasn't out there when you guys started your, your journey with this. My question to you is, is where do you suggest that you take the first step? Where do you, who do you contact? What questions am I going to really need to, to ask? Because I may not even know what to ask. Yeah. First, I would just say pray and um, gather as much information as you can and find out, you know, every agency has different requirements. Every country has different requirements in terms of how long you've had to be married or some are open to singles. Some require you to be a minimum age. Some, for us, a lot had to do with travel requirements. I know we were, when we felt called to adopt a child with Down syndrome, you know, we were looking at Ukraine and because um, there were so many children there with Down syndrome, but the travel requirements was just not something we, we could do. I mean, you basically left and had to go not knowing how long you were going to be gone. And so the longest we've been gone was two weeks. And I'm thankful for grandparents and uh, family that were able to step in and help us, but not everybody has that. And so that's why the domestic or, um, you know, but then I just start gathering information, reach out to others, do research. Finding an ethical agency is very important, not the fastest placement, but, you know, so often that's your focus and we can have blind eyes to why, why that agency may be faster than another and it's just very important to um to ask around read reviews find an ethical agency find the one that meets you know what you're comfortable with travel wise um and then just take a leap of faith but also expect um <laughs> expect a roller coaster every journey was um i mean like ethiopia we got there and we were adopting an older child so he was nine and we were expecting a six-month-old well the child they handed us was obviously older but we also knew in ethiopia birth dates can be off uh, sometimes years with older children and so we really didn't think that much about it um although we did question and then after a week being home we learned they had in fact given us the wrong child or the right child um, yes, the agency had messed up, but it was the child God had planned for us all along, but it took months of um, trying to work out legalities of that. Um, our domestic adoption with Eli with Down syndrome, we thought we were going to pick him up, you know, the week after we'd met him. On the way, they called to tell us that the dad was not cooperating. Um, thankfully, though, because our daughter was in injured in a soccer accident that night and was hospitalized for a month and uh, close to to death with a torn intestine um but that journey was just up and down we'd lose contact she then ended up in oklahoma reached back out again but emotionally it was it was hard um but you know so just to be realistic and you know so often you just see the homecoming pictures of the journey and it just looks so <laughs> so easy and so to just have a support system to help you through the journey and even after you're home because it's it's hard then too um support system's great but don't let all of those things stop you from from moving forward i can't imagine missing out on any of our children and uh you know foster care is the same way too it is the hardest thing we've ever done but 
also one of the most fulfilling and rewarding, but it has had me go to a cardiologist twice and do a heart scan because I thought I was <laughs> dying, but I just anxiety, but um, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, and I would say that someone just, they need to reach out to somebody like Joy who probably knows the ins and outs and pluses and minuses, but someone who's who's engaged in it. And of course, there's a ton of stuff. There's a ton of stuff online. There's a great, um, there's a great agency and resource in Alabama with a group called Lifeline based at there in Birmingham. Uh, Lifeline has a lot of resources and availability and people who can, who can answer questions as well. And what else? Yeah. And I think, you know, for those that are interested in older children and foster care and adoption, go to Heart Gallery. Yes. I mean, uh, whenever they have children in Montgomery, they often come to the house and shoot their videos and photos. And I just love getting to meet the kids and Heart Gallery. Just if you go to a, there's a site called Adopt US Kids that has children that are free for adoption in terms of legal rights from that are all from foster care from all over the states in the US. Um, but Alabama's kids stand out on that site as well as Heart Gallery Alabama or Alabama Heart Gallery just because the photos are so good that the photographers come and take and you get the video and you hear their voice and you hear, you know, it makes them not so scary to, if someone just calls you with a 13 year old boy, you're gonna say, I'm not interested in that, but when you watch his video and he just, he sounds just like your mm -hmm. child who wants to go to a movie or sings in the choir at church or loves football. And then it's like, okay, this is, you know, it's not so scary. And um, Heart Gallery just does a great job of um, really giving our children a voice and giving us a glimpse of them and um, advocating for them. So. And I, and I put in the comments uh, the link to Heart Gallery's website, and I will put in the link to the Love uh, Lifeline website. Joy, you had mentioned a blog. Do you still keep up with that? Is it? Is there? I guess. I, and I don't. I don't say it to put you on the spot. But if somebody wanted to contact you, is there a social media presence or a way to get in touch with you? If, if people Facebook probably the best yeah once we started fostering it was really hard to um one emotionally I was <laughs> I had all these thoughts I wanted to share and then by the end of the night I couldn't write I just had to go to bed I was done but um also you know your pictures and the things you can share just was really restricting and just got too time consuming and and then um just trying to respect everybody's privacy more too of their story to tell one day, um, so far they've all been fine and sharing that as a platform for them. But, um, you know, I wanna respect that too. So Facebook, Joy Portis, um, or my email's joy at portis.org. But yes, I love, any, anybody can reach out. I'd love to support them on the journey, share resources, um, just be a support for them. Um, Last question for you both. Uh, Cole, I suspect you go to work to relax. <laughs> Joy, how do you, where do you find your time for some downtime to recharge? To, uh, yeah. There's only so many good brain uh, cells we use every day. We've got to recharge each day. But Joy, how do you find them? Cole, how do you find time? 
Well, I, I, one thing I do enjoy is my work. I do enjoy work and it's, it's very stressful. It's very busy. It's, we, we have a lot going on at Beasley Allen, but, um, so, so I could, sadly, I could stay at work longer. <laughs> I have to, Joy's wondering, why aren't you home? I need, I need help. And I get that. Uh, but I could stay longer. And so I, I get a lot of joy. I don't, I don't, there's not a whole other outside of church, outside of work and outside of home. There aren't a whole lot of activities that, that I'm engaged in. Joy and I, it's important for Joy and I to make time for one another. Uh, so we will, we will do intentional dates. We will do intentional trips, um, which puts a lot of pressure on her to make sure all these children are handled while we're away. But, but, but all of those things are vital to our, to our lives, um, especially our own time. Cause if she and I aren't right, then our whole family is not going to be right. Yeah. I, I have no, no doubt. And Joy, do you get some downtime every once in a while? Yes. I, um, my walks are my, um, I turn on my praise music, I sweat it out and get all my thinking done. I start texting. Um, it's hard at home to have any clear thoughts. And by the time we're in bed at night, I'm like <laughs> a zombie. So, um, so yes, that's, uh, you know, again, you have to make time for it. Now that school's back in, it's a little easier. Um, the COVID quarantine was really challenging having everybody home, children with special needs, with autism, ADHD, Down syndrome that are used to thriving on routines. That was a hard time. Um, but yeah, we just, uh, I, one day at a time, one suspect, day at a time. I suspect you guys had a commercial grade router uh, and modem system in your house with so many kids at home trying <laughs> to, to learn remotely. Yeah, we are, we are glad to be back. <laughs> Well, guys, I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today on Nomberg Law Live. I, I, Joy and, and Cole Portis bring so much love into this world and have just an amazing family and amazing family dynamics. So thank you for sharing your journey and, and your story with us today. Thank you. We enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. Guys, this is why I do this program every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Interesting people and their areas of expertise. And, and gosh, it, this was just so such a great conversation today. Please continue to be safe out there. Do what is right for you and your family. And we will see you next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for Nomberg Law Live. See you later.